Today on Blue 58, we welcome Pro Football Hall of Famer Dave Robinson to the show. Mr. Robinson has plenty to talk about from his own career, but he joins us as well for a special purpose. He wants to get an overlooked member of the Lombardi era into the Packers Hall of Fame. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. As I said in the cold open there, today's show is an interview with Dave Robinson, who is one of the great defensive players from the Vince Lombardi era. Robinson was a first-round pick for the Packers in 1963, and he went on to be part of three NFL championship teams in Green Bay, including the first two Super Bowls. He was a member of the NFL's all-decade team for the 1960s and was elected to the Packers Hall of Fame in 1982, then later was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2013. Over the course of our interview, we're going to touch on some of what made his career great, but we will also talk with Dave about a special cause that he is working on. Along with author Royce Boyles, who helped set up this interview, Dave is working to get former Green Bay Packers equipment manager Dad Brashear elected to the Packers Hall of Fame. Brasher was a key behind-the-scenes figure in the Lombardi era and was also a core part of the design process for the Packers' iconic logo, and Robinson is advocating on his behalf. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here is the man himself. So you got to Green Bay in 1963. You played at Penn State. Uh, At the time, the Packers had already run a couple championships. What was it like to come into that culture with with the team and with the city? Well, you know, I, I played offensive and defensive end in college, and, you know, they all make and all that. But I come to Green Bay, they want to make me a linebacker. And uh, one of the things I'd done was at Penn State is uh, Dan Curry, the left linebacker, he had written an article in, in Sports Illustrated about, I think it was called The Key is the Key or something like that. And I'd taken that article and I laminated it, and I should read it for almost every game, get myself together. Uh, and then uh, some the linebacker playbook, no, not. I was all set to play linebacker now. Never, I mean, never played it before. Even though the way we played defensive end was very, very, very similar to the way the pros played their linebackers at that time. And uh, I walk in and see the guy who wrote the article I read every day in college. He's on that team. I said, "There's no way I can beat him out." That's <laughs> first chance. Oh, Jesus! Yeah. And then, uh, and then Ray Nisky, you know, Nisky had a big, uh, big rep even then. He had been MVP of the of the 1962 championship game Nisky had. And the other linebacker was uh, the oldest and smartest of them all, Bill Forrester. And uh, so Bill Forrester came here and told me, he says, uh, I said, I got a son that's sick in Texas. I'm going to retire and go back to Texas. But Vince won't let me retire. He said, so he said, uh, I'm going to teach you everything there is to know about linebacker. He said, you're about to take it out of here. And that's how I learned to play linebacker. Every night, if you're caught outside of your room after 11 o'clock curfew, it's an automatic $500 fine which is not that big today, but it was in those days. And uh, but, it, but at 11 o'clock, the, uh, in the center of the hall where we stayed, the veterans were on the first floor, and all the rookies had to sleep on the second floor. So after 11 o'clock, I sneaked down the back steps and go into Bill's room, and he would uh, go, over what, go over the defense that we'd go over and, and practice. See, there's a difference between just the X's and O's and where to go and where not to go. But why do you do this and why do you do that? And what can you expect from this guy? What can you expect from that guy? And what do you think they're going to do to you? There's a lot more than linebacker than just taking up a playbook and, and playing the play. And that's the things he taught me. And uh, the, in the year, Bill retired and I got his spot. So you come in and, and you learn from Bill. Uh, Bill Forrester. Yeah, still a little bit of a learning curve there. When did you realize you could get it done in the NFL? Well, uh, 
Thanksgiving Day, Ray Nishi, the fullback was coming down the line, and Ray Nishi uh, went to hit him with his arm, and he did, and hit the guy's helmet and broke his arm. I got full Ray. The bad break for Ray, but a good break for me. So I got to start then. And that, that's and when you on the sideline and something coming in just for sub, you really can't learn. You got to play to learn. You got to really play to get to get to bearings. And uh, so I played the the last part for Thanksgiving Day on. I played that played the rest of the year. And uh, we lost that year, so we went to the runner-up bowl. I got a chance to play against the Cleveland Browns and the famous Jimmy Brown. And, uh, and I came out of that game. That's why I knew I, I had a job in the, in the league. So I met Jim Brown one time, one-on-one. And uh, I, he, he hit me, and I hit him, and he went down, and, and uh, he did for no gain. And I said, oh, my God. I, I said, I can, play, I can tackle Jim Brown. Somebody's going to give me a job. <laughs> that was about it. Well, See, that was a... That's the kind of guy Jim Brown was. He was the greatest, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. Who would you say mm-hmm. is the best player you played against? Was it Brown or was it somebody else? Well, well running back, Jim Brown's probably uh, one of the harder running, running backs. Uh, Gail Sayers probably had the most. Gail Sayers and Hugh Beckham, and they had so much about him, the movement, you know, shake to get you off. O.J. Simpson was the fastest I ever played against. So you can't say what would you – know, and then on, on tight ends, the best tight end I played against was Ryan Kramer. Was with us and then went to Detroit. He was by far the best tight end I played against. Second, to, se- second would be John Mackey and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? and the best offensive lineman, Big Jim Parker, by head and shoulders above anybody else. You can't say who's the best you play against. You got to say what position. Yeah, you know? quarterback I played against. I thought Bart Starr was the greatest quarterback I saw, but Johnny Unitas, the greatest I played against. Yes, yes, yeah. Every position got somebody as great as John Mackey was as a tight end. He couldn't play quarterback. And, you know, as great as John, John Unitas was, he couldn't play running back. You got to ask me by position, not who the greatest guys were. Sure, sure. And then and then a guy didn't play, he was a soul play twice a year, was Dick Night Train Lane. Only one that came close to Night Train Lane in the league when I was there was Herb Alley. Herb and Night Train Lane played very similar. In fact, Herb studied Night Train and tried to emulate him. You finished out your career after you were done in Green Bay with two seasons in Washington. What was it like right. to go from Green Bay to Washington? Well, you know, Vince had gone to Washington earlier before he died, and he had kind of set the tone. He, he had, he had, uh, it, it after Vince and then George Allen got, George Allen got there. Well, there was a, a there was a one year and then one or two. Bill Austin finished up Vince's term, and then Bill Austin got canned, and George Allen came in and. Those two guys are very similar the way they ran things, and they had they, they pretty much shaped up. And I, had, I moved out right in, no problem. A lot of the, a lot of the things we did at Green Bay, they were already doing at Washington. You know, it was a great, it was a great time. And plus, I had some great, some great ball players I played with, some super great ball players. You know, I mean, you know, uh, there's a little Kenny, Kenny Houston, of course, is a Hall of Famer, and, and uh, Sally Sanders, and well. Oh, we had we had uh, Sonny, we had Sonny, Billy, Sonny Jerryson, Billy Kilmer, and, uh, and and Sam Weiss was there as a quarterback. And then one year, and then next year we got a uh, Sam Weiss left, went to Cincinnati. And we had a uh, Joe Theismann come in. Another <laughs> guy could be a Hall of Famer. It's it's a, it's just a great bunch of guys there, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it a lot. Circling yeah. back to your time in Green Bay, you had the mm-hmm. the incredible run of three straight titles from 65 through right. 67. 
Mm-hmm. I, it's one thing to win a championship, but I think that to me, looking back, the the impressive part there is a sustained success. Um, yeah. How did you maintain focus as a team through that run? What was it like internally? Vince Lombardi. That's what I can say. Vince Lombardi was a Vince Lombardi was a purist. He Vince Lombardi was the one. He was the key to the, our, our success and everything. He, he let us get a big head. He stayed on us, and you know, he just I just can't say enough about the man. He was a, the ultimate coach. He knew what he was doing. He, he knew kept us how to keep us in line. But that was the key. I think another it's some it's something I I really shouldn't tell us because that now all competition know it. Everybody in the league, almost, when a team has a bad day and they get they get really get whipped bad, the coach knows to uh, he's got to go out and pick the team up. But the other thing is on the other side of the coin, when you go out and have a great day and maybe pull for upset. Um, the team come back in the high, the, the highest as the, the Georgia Pine. They think they, they think now they, they've arrived. They got the, they got together. Um, the coaches think the team is coming together. Uh, you go home, your wife or girlfriend, and they think you you had a great day. And walk down the street and then walk into a restaurant or a bar, or even a grocery store. Somebody pat you on the back. What a great game you had and whatnot and everything else. You uh, everybody in the paper said and everything, and you tend to. It, unintentionally, you turn to tend to think that you you got it made now. You take it easy. Well, Vince Lombardi knew that when a guy gets too high, you got to bring him down and uh, get him back down to normal if he's going to play ball for you the next week. And that's what he did. And uh, so I like I, like one of my best games I had. Uh, we, we went to play Giants in 1967 in the uh, in Yankee Stadium. And uh, it was, they called at the time the New York Giants were the number one offensive team in the league, and we were the number one defensive team in the league. And uh, this, is called, this is called a game of the week. And I had two interceptions, a sack, and a partially blocked punt, and I got AP Defensive Player of the Week. And yeah, and I went and I went I went to uh, after went after got back we we won the game by the way. We we're down at halftime, came back in the second half and and crushed them. But the very first play of the game, they had a play that they had designed just for me. They, they took advantage of some of the, some of the things some of the things I did. They took advantage of the way I played certain plays, and it, they made about seven eight yards. But as soon as they ran, I knew what was going on. So I went to the huddle as we always did, and I talked to Leroy Caffey, the other linebacker, and I told him what happened, what they had done, and uh, he and we uh, decided how we were going to handle it. And uh, so everything was fine. I mean, they didn't run anymore the rest of the day. Well, I, I told uh, I told I told my wife, I said, I don't even want to go to, to, go to practice. She said, well, I said, this is going to chew me out. She said, you had a great game. I said, I know that. She said, he's not going to chew you out. You had a great... I said, no, you don't understand. It's because I had a great game. That's why. <laughs> and uh, she said, and she didn't know, of course, she couldn't, couldn't, couldn't understand what was going on. Well, sure enough, man, I, I went in. The first thing he did was chew me out. And told and told the uh, uh, the defensive coordinator Phil Bench he said, "I want you to run that play that that a New York ran against Dave a thousand times this week. He's because he's going to see it this week." And then, sure enough, uh, we played. I don't know who we played the next week, but the first play of the game, the same team man, the same play at me again. First play of the game, and of course, I was ready for it. So everything everything went smooth. Uh, and, and then. Uh, uh, I'm going to say four or five weeks later, we're playing another team. And I'm not making these names up. I'm, I can't remember the schedule now from 63. But let's say it was St. Louis Cardinals. 
and we had played the and the Cardinals had played the Giants the week after us. And then we were playing the Giants toward the later in the season. And I got on about that play. And Vince came to me in the locker room and told me, he said, Dave, you see, remember that play the Giants ran on you? I said, yeah, I don't know. Coach he said, I'm gonna have him run on you a thousand times this week. Because you're gonna see it again. And uh sure enough, first, second play of the game, there it came. And I was ready for it and stopped it and never once I stopped it, never saw it anymore. I didn't run it anymore. See what happened when you play a game at the team you're playing, you have to send them your last two games. It used to be on film, now it's a videotape. Uh, or, you know, they send it, uh, yeah. But they have your last two games. So what Vince had done, he realized that that the team, let's say, and let's use the St. Louis Cardinals. I think I said, I don't know what team it really was, but he knew that St. Louis had played the, the Giants after we played them. So he knew they had that film. So he saw it, and they know they saw that film, how well we interested. And he just decided they're going to run it. And sure enough, St. Louis brought at us. We stopped it. And I never saw it again. And that's, that's the things Vince did. And so when Vince, Vince was that type of guy, so when he came and told you something, like he told me, uh, they're going to do something. I want you to do this next week. You just respected. You knew Vince knew what he was talking about. Vince DeMarnie was a guy who had had been one of seven blocks of granite. He played right guard, as small as he was. And he, if you know, when he told you to do something, you knew that when he played, he had done the same thing. Or if he hadn't done it, he would have done it because the only reason why he didn't do it is because he couldn't do it. But if he could do it, he would have done it. So he had a great deal of respect, but. I had no respect for some of these coaches coming and trying to tell me to do things that are impossible. Uh, they can't do them themselves. They're trying to make me think it's, it's, it's a thing I should do. And uh, it's only just the body. I think, uh, I think he was the key to everything. He was the key to our success. That was it. I don't think we would have been as successful had it not had Vince Lombardi. We had a bunch of guys we probably would have been had some success, but not as much as we got with Vince Lombardi. You mentioned Coach Lombardi chewing you out there, and I, I want to see if we mm -hmm. can confirm something for the historical record here <laughs> yeah, because right. there's a there's a notable play where he supposedly chewed you out afterwards. It happened yes. right at the end of the 1966 NFL championship because you affected right. Don Merida's throw on the last play, right. and Lombardi supposedly criticized you for being out of position. Is that true? Yes and no. You see, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, everybody knows what happened on fourth down when I, when I got him. But it goes back to first down. They had first and gold on our one-yard line. And the quarterback rolled out to my side, by the way. And uh, somebody else had the force. And the force, the way you play the force, you come up in front of the quarterback and, and the guard you know, is rocking. And the quarterback now has to either run, decide to run or pass. So the, run, he's gonna follow, the guard's going to take, he's going to follow the guard in. For, but if you're there, he's going to pull up and throw the pass. But the, the guy fronted the guard like he's supposed to. He pulled up, he threw the pass, and hit the hit the, the line, the tight end, right in the, the chest, and he dropped it. Just dropped the ball. And uh, and then, then at the same play, the reason why the play is not that important, they were offsides, and they moved them back to the, to the, the six. And then then three plays later, now it's now it's fourth and and uh, two, and fourth and two, it's fourth and one, and fourth and two. And it's uh, 52 seconds ago in the game. And they line up, and Bob Hayes came in tight. When the when the weak side in comes tight, that's it. That's one of our keys that they're gonna run a uh, they'll run on your side, and the tight end's gonna block it. But Bob Hayes couldn't block me, so I wouldn't worry about that. And anyway, when the play started, I, I I tied up Bob Hayes, 
So when the guard pulled, and I had played guard in, I'd played guard in college, so I knew what the guard's keys are. He comes down the line, and if somebody shows, he takes him. Nobody shows, he keeps running and needs the, needs the quarterback into the end zone. Well, I held behind, behind Bob Hayes, and the guard passed us up. When he passed us up, I shared Bob Hayes and went between the guard and Don Meredith. And I and, uh, wrapped up Don Meredith, and, and I had him going down, and he on his way down, he, he flipped the ball, just flipped it, trying to just get rid of it. And, uh, and that was it. And like I said, and I said and I, like I told a lot of people, talked to him. I said, I knew that if I did what the what is where's designed, they know how we play that play. They got probably got filmed all the place. Dave's gonna come up and play in front of the guard. And you then you done pull up, either pass or run a pass. You know, if you front it, pass it. You because know? I think if you always do what you've always done, then you're always gonna get what you always got. So I said, I'm not. If I do it that way, I know he's gonna throw the ball. And what are the chances of the tight end dropping two balls? They're not very good. So uh, with that, with that little, little tidbit under my belt, I uh, made the play. And after the play, Vince came up to me in the locker room. He said, "What a play, Bobby! Great play!" He said, "But that's not the way it's drawn up. That means you get a minus two. And just left and walked away. He's been let with his So I, I wasn't sure if he was kidding or for real, but that was it. So it's a, it's one of those situations. It wasn't the way it was drawn up. And now I don't know. Now we get graded on every play. You know, you, every play you get a plus two, from between a plus two and a minus two. Plus two is the best you can play. That's like an interception or something. And a minus two is the worst. You made a mistake. And uh, he said, I, he said I was going to get a minus two on that play. I don't know because it was the last game of the season, and we just went to the Super Bowl, and, we, and I never saw my grade for that game. <laughs> But he may, may, may have gotten a minus two. But, but I didn't care because uh, we won the game and we're going to the Super Bowls. And it's the first Super Bowl, to me, the most important one. Uh, the, uh, you know, it's, you think, think, what, think what happened if we, hadn't, if we had lost that game. Uh, then uh, Landry was going to go on the Super Bowl. He probably might have beaten Kansas City. In fact, I think he probably would have had a very fine team Dallas there. They beat Kansas City, and that that uh, beautiful trophy they got now would be the Tom Landry Trophy, not the Vince Lombardi Trophy. So, uh, and another thing that's interesting about that play too, when when they uh, when I had a hold of Don, and Don was trying to get rid of the ball, he just kind of threw the ball, and and uh, on his way down, he's he was falling and he just threw the ball to get rid of it, which was interesting because he had been better served to have spiked the ball or something. Because when he threw the ball, we intercepted the end zone, brought out to the 20, and we took a knee. If he, had, if they had done something, and we had gotten the ball on, on our own one-yard line, two-yard line, you can't take a knee. You know, because you take a knee, you take a knee, you lose about, about a yard and a half, two yards. So if he had taken the knee, he'd have been a safety. We'd have to kick the ball to, to Dallas. <laughs> well, you, I'm not even gonna think about what would have happened then. But, so the fact he threw the ball. But that was the best thing that could happen to us. Yeah, so. Hey, football's a funny game. you got to play all the angles all the time. We got connected, you and I, about some work mm-hmm. you and Royce Boyles are doing on behalf of Dad Brashers, the, the yes. team equipment manager during your time with the Packers. He's noteworthy for essentially creating the logo or being a, a key part of creating the logo. What's the story there? Okay. Here's a story I've always heard, and I got it right from Doug Ismail. 
they came in. They won the championship in 1960. This is second year, first and second year. The first and second year when he was with the team, and he lost to the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles. And 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 uh, their helmets looked just like the Cleveland Browns helmets. Nothing on, just a yellow helmet, right? And Vince had been in New York, and he came back, and they had that NY in the helmet, and he felt that 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 was that was good luck to have the NY in New York on it. So he uh, decided he was going to put. Um, GB on our helmets, and he had a guy design it and showed it to the equipment man, the same dad razor. And dad said, That's ugly. And he said, well, You think it's ugly? Show me something better. So he said, Okay. And he took, he went back, and the story goes that he went back to his hotel room. He lived in the hotel because that's another story in and by itself. But anyway, and he, and he spent all night designing this, taking his G and elongating it into a football shape and coming with the Green Bay G. And the next day, Vince said, I don't like it. He said, and dad said, it's great. And then said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll let the assistant coaches vote on it. And the assistant coaches looked at it, and they all liked it, too. And uh, and so uh, Vinny said, okay, we'll give it a try for one year and see what happens. Well, they won the championship. <laughs> and that's what happened. And uh, that was it, man. Vince was very superstitious, you know. But if you ever get pictures of Vince Savani on, on, when he has a baseball cap on, you look on the hood of the baseball cap, and you'll see what that uh, – you'll see what that, that – that, uh, GB looks like that. He, the same one he wore. GB on the football, on the base, on the baseball cap. He didn't wear one with just a plain G. And, and so he stuck with he. Vince always liked that GB. But that's a, that was Lombardi. And who was going to argue with Vince Lombardi? I wasn't. Do you think uh, Dad deserves more credit for his part in the logo creation? Dad was more than just equipment man. I'll tell you that he was a very integral part of that team. He did some. He did so many things, and and uh, I, don't know, so I could tell some tales. I was, I'll put it this way: Dad, every morning we came in, there'd be twenty or thirty footballs, and every man had to sign every ball. And uh, and uh, Dad basically kept a list. And you and you had when you came in to practice before you got taped, before you went out the field, everybody had to tape it. When we came in for practice, he gave the list to Vince, and on the list would be, let's say, Dave Robertson forgot to sign. And you'd only do that once, believe me, because when Vinny got on with on with you, you you wouldn't Vince chewed you out, and he, he had he had a way of doing it, and it was just yeah you know, about you know, but uh, and all those balls out there every day we signed about ten twenty balls, and Vince Barney was Vince Barney saw they told so. But he was a man. He was the man. I can say it. I can go over and over again. He was the man. He really was. Uh, do you think uh, Dad is not in the Hall of Fame? Uh, do you think he deserves to be I, in or the Packers Hall sure of Fame? I do. Yep. I think that uh, – I really think that, that – I don't know if it's true or not, but I think that, that uh, people like Dad have formed to the to, to the cracks. People they, – they, uh, a guy today who was a – was equipment man or manager or something, so he'd get a lot more publicity and the and and the, than dad got. And consequently, that, that uh, he could get in the Hall of Fame in, in the future where dad didn't make it, so that bothers me a lot. I think see dad in the Hall of Fame. He's obviously not a, a coach or a player, but uh, an equipment manager might not be somebody that people think first and foremost is someone who deserves to go to the Hall of Fame. And you've mentioned a couple of times here the, the integral yeah. part that he was behind the scenes. 
what what's so important about a guy like that to a team like the Packers? Like when when he was interacting with you guys on a daily basis, what made him such an important part of the team? Well, I'll tell you this. He did everything. I mean, I'd say they're not, they weren't, I started to say small, but they weren't small things, but little things you would never think about. Like uh, Jerry Kramer once had had used the had tape and, and, he had, and he taped his ankles with and he got that tape in his ankle. Somebody picked his tape up and used it. And he broke his leg that day. And dad made sure that no one, he always had a fresh roll of tape every day when he went out. And, and uh, no one ever used his tape. I mean, little things like that. They're not big things, but they're little things. But you don't know how important it was to Jerry. Yeah. He also, uh, we wanted to remember, dad bridge would take, he knew just what kind of razors and shaving cream everybody used. And we went on the road that in the in the shower room, our, our razor blades would be the same brand, the, that, that, that lather would be the same, instant lather and everything we had at home. He did as much as he could to make a, uh, the road trip like a, a, a home trip. When you you, talk, you go to the locker room, they, they said the other team has the people in the locker room. The locker room's got this man when you come in there. These are usually by the, by the home team. People man that locker room are usually uh, the sons of the coaches or the, the, the secretaries or somebody. Anyway, the people who are the, do do that, they are uh, they're avid fans. Let's say you're playing the Chicago Bears. They're Bears fans, and uh, they they don't want they don't. But if they were their way, they'd just give you a hard time because they want the Bears to beat you. But that bridge started a system where we used to. I think we were one of the only teams that did, by the way. He, he he left money for the he left money for the equipment guys, the locker boys. And and uh, if if the if everything was right, there are no complaints. I don't know how much he left. Uh, it was ten dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars. I don't know what it was, but he left the money there for him. However, if if perchance they uh, we had trouble. We didn't have the same locker. The, the locker was wrong. Something was wrong. Then he got nothing. Because you go to a lot of places, man, and, and the, the, the locker boys are so upset, man. They they don't, they don't they want to see you get beat. They want the home team to beat you. And, and the, that set that system up. And, the, and I think I think Vinny paid for it. I don't know who paid for it. I never paid for it. But it was just this little thing like that. And, and, and so when we went to the locker room, you couldn't tell the difference in the locker room. That the that you think it was just just the same as if we were just at home, in yeah, home field, no problem, you know. And that's the thing Dad did, little things like that. And to me, that was a big thing because I felt I felt comfortable in the, in the locker room. Everybody has a little idiosyncrasy, something they do different, and Dad took care of. Them. A big thanks to Dave Robinson for taking some time with us today, and also a very big thank you to Royce Boyles for helping set up this interview. Check out his books, Lombardi's Left Side, The Lombardi Legacy, and The Lombardi Impact for more unique stories about Packers history. As we always say, if there's anybody you'd like to hear me talk with or about on Blue 58, you can help make it happen. So don't hesitate to reach out. Drop us a line via the contact page at thepowersweep.com or send me an email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com if you think you can help us facilitate an interview with someone who is worth 
hearing from. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it as well. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.